It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week we're going auto reverse on LaBelle. So everyone, first of all, apologies, because Tony and I took pretty much a pretty, pretty big vaca- summer vacation break. From... <laughs> what we did on our summer vacation. Yeah, exactly. And, and the funny thing is we, 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 we talked a lot to each other and actually saw each other <laughs> yeah. in person. So we could have probably did a couple episodes because, you know, <laughs> we did enough talking about music uh, to probably fill a couple episodes, but... You know, just organizing the stuff we had are, you know, you know, we're not open toe sandal guys, but in the summer we definitely throw the hammock up and we take a little bit, we downshift a little bit more. Oh yeah. But, uh, we were always, we were always thinking about music, talking about music, buying records. We never stopped. It just. Right. And all of we you, all of you were in our thoughts. Like we talked about our fans all the time. <laughs> uh, it was just like the actual getting to the production of stuff. Just, uh. You know, it was kind of, it was two blocks away rather than a block away, our usual one block away, and we just didn't get around That's to right. it. right. But I will say this, the uh, the topic of this this episode is probably the, probably the one more perfect auto-reverse bands, uh, because, for multiple reasons, and, you know, we'll, as usual, coming from two different things, because two different uh, perspectives, because my perspective is... You know, I I had the Lady Marmalade uh, kind of point of view, and they were a disco band uh, that that featured Patti LaBelle. And pre-disco, pre-disco band. Pre-disco. Pre-disco, because Lady Marmalade came out in 74. Right. Disco's real that is a good point. high point was 77, so it was pre-disco. Right. And uh, so my viewpoint was like, oh, this is the band Patti LaBelle was in before... Uh, she broke out on her own, which is a what you what you will find when you dig into the band a little bit, a, a stupendous oversight. Right. Uh, because that band is almost is is a super group in some ways, uh, because uh, and their history. <laughs> I mean, it, I I like, you know, when you look into this, like there this band started in the early '60s as the Bluebells. Uh, with Jer- with Jersey and Philly roots, with Jersey. mostly Jersey. Yeah, with mostly Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, and it was actually originally a featured City Bird song, who actually left the band, left the Bluebells to join a band you may have heard of, the Supremes. That's right. Um, and you know the, the let's make no mistake about it the the, the Bluebells and what followed, uh, which was. They had some legal issues over management, so they had to change it to Patti LaBelle and the Bluebells, and then they just went to LaBelle. Make no mistake, like this is Patti LaBelle is the engine that drives this band. But that's ba- the 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 band itself is a combination of just uh, songwriting brilliance by no- Nona Hendrix and Sarah Dash's. What? I love Nona Hendrix. I've been really getting into her lately. Yeah. Um, I've purchased a few of her like '80s solo records. Um, I bought a, like the first two Material records, which right. is Bill Laswell's project that she sings on, 
um, 12 inches, all kinds of stuff. She was the sort of avant-garde songwriting element of the band. So that that's why, just getting back to your original point, like it's it's easy to just say it was Patty's band. But it's, but in rea- but in reality they were they were, they were the sum of the of their of all those parts you know and and it's incredible yeah and there and you know it, it there there was an almost an inclination to almost add Nona's work to our Labelle playlist but it's it's yeah. it's not it, it it that is a path that went in a, in another direction which really I mean her, her the music of the well let's you know taking a step back so this is a band okay. started in the early 60s um um, I be, and I really don't. Let me see. Let me look really like in actually, you know, the way we looked at it is like in '59, Patty Labelle, which actually her name was Patty Holt. Uh, she was 15 years old and won her first talent contest in high school, and then just started her musical journey from there. And um, they contact. You know, that's what you're talking about. That she was Philly based, and she contacted two singers from Trent, New Jersey. You know, uh, Nona and Sarah. Um, um, and the band just kind of evolved from there, um, you know, as, as I was saying, the Bluebells, um, and just kind of, you know, as because they are, their voice is so, I mean, yes, Patti LaBelle's voice is so dynamic, but I think what really makes the band interesting is how Sarah and Nona add their harmonies mm-hmm. to kind of, it's like a bass drum foundation that really heightens like if Bad Patty, if you look at her like an excellent guitar player, you look at her like Hendrix. Like those two are kind of like the Mitch Mitchell, no Redding that kind of lift up at the, like her singing to where it really kind of lets it soar, but also doesn't make it tiresome because they they um, you know the combination of ways that they do the harmonies. It's not like how the Temptations did you know the you know the the, the groups at of the time did their backup vocals like there was much more variation and much more kind of i don't know ingenuity but just you know kind no, of, it was treated more like they were treated more like instruments rather than yeah, this sort of it, yeah yeah they were just treated like instruments and then and you know and also like their sort of start um sort of informs like how they wrote too because i mean you got to think about it 50 early 60s mid 60s think uh, a lot of music was still based on like 45s so yeah. they were like released they were releasing singles you, you know um there wasn't this lp the sort of lp format didn't really um really in pop music it didn't really like like sink in until like the late 60s so these guys were just putting out 45s on like on really cool labels like king which yeah. was uh uh, I think James Brown's label at mm-hmm. one point and then Cameo Parkway, which I have a lot of records from. Um, so like, you know, it must have been tough for them, like, you know, like <laughs> kind of like putting singles out and having to change their name, then putting sing- another single out that changing their name. But, you know, I think that was a road that a lot of musicians took, right. especially in the sort of R&B black music world. I think that was the road that they all took until really the late 60s when you know everything converged so rock music uh r&b right. funk everything kind of came together in the same and almost in a meeting like a, a like a sort of like uh um in a in a you know uh what do you call it um common right. space 
and that's where you that's where you then saw the sort of LaBelle thing happen because like I mean I guess I mean, dude I, I, I know I'm cutting in on you here but it's like incredible like they were like they were backup singers for, uh, or they opened up for uh, the who the Rolling Stones and, and the Rolling Stones and then and then they found a manager in England that told them hey you know um, you should change your image and re- reconfigure this thing and put out an album under just the name LaBelle get rid of all those other like Bells. you know patty labelle and the flames or whatever just get rid of all that shit and just fucking narrow it down to this and it worked yeah you know um, and, and it's it's incredible Yeah, yeah, you know, that point that you're making, though, is like they were, they had, it wasn't like they were not successful. I mean, they were, they were killing it at the Apollo Theater. I think they read somewhere they were like the sweethearts of the Apollo Theater because they would just kill it. They would kill it there and then like led to like early Rolling Stones doing like, I think their first American tour and they were, they were the opening act for them and they they opened up for The Who um, and they just got... Their reputation just wasn't something that moved. It was like it was a wildfire. Like it was they, you know, they were known name. But then you were like you were saying, like they had to. I think you know, got went to London and kind of really thought, you know, like you were saying, like they kind of had to say, okay, you guys got to make a decision how you want this band to be. Do you want this to be, you know, follow this course, which is the safe course? Or do what you guys want to do. Like you, th- you are three dynamic people who all each have a, a like a musical point of view. Um, and I think that that and also they were they seemed, um, which everything that I read, they seemed to be extremely friendly with. Like their friendship, they prized with each other. So they got along with each other well enough to where they were the. Uh, when you have that, you're able to exchange ideas because there's a respect there. Um, until until they didn't get along <laughs> well how much of that you know what the thing is is like we could talk about that a little later but the point, yeah, 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 but yeah I think like if you're with someone that long and you're doing that intensive touring and touring yeah. is difficult and you know we often talk about like in the 70s and especially in the 60s and 70s the amount the labels would put a lot of like tour 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 record tour 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 record tour 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 yeah. record like that's gonna and you know, there's not, there weren't nice tour, tour buses and plane, private plane. You know, it was like they had to go do that stuff. Um, but my point is, is that there was a, there, that stuff came out. But I think like even in the worst of times, I think they, they had such a mutual respect for one another. And they, I mean, you just don't let like, like 
Patty LaBelle do all the, the, the lot of the singing, but you don't let Nona Hendrix do all those, write all the songs on the album either, if you don't respect the person. Right, right. And it, and it was a slog. I mean, you're talking about 10 plus years of slogging it out, you know, and, and uh, you know, even though they had a great reputation, it didn't necessarily translate into sales. Um, so they, 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 even the first, I think they put out two records before Nightbirds and, and that right. those records didn't really sell. So it's like, even though they, you know, they, they were wonderful and great, like it took a while for people to come around i think alan toussaint had a lot to do with it the guy had yeah. the, ma the magic ear at that time the guy yeah. would, like everything he touched turned to gold so um and i can't even express and me and fucking me and you have done this a million times just how awesome alan toussaint is and, yeah, and how shameful that we haven't done a, 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 a lot of reverse on him well let, let's use this as a reminder that we got to do i mean i just picked up southern nights the lp and i i can't i oh, just right, can't yeah. believe how perfect of an album that yeah. is it's just yeah. unreal and he he fucking gave that to other people like yeah. he that same magic he passed on to a bunch of a yeah. bunch of people and and that's why they broke out and that's why labelle finally broke out you know and became this like you know kind of pop sensation when before that like i said they had a great reputation people knew who they were but it wasn't necessarily translating into sales which uh gotta hand it to them for sticking it out for so long you know what i mean it's like uh, that would probably well, send most bands down the tubes well, you know but if you look think of, what do you think about this it's like you know I, I looking at their first two albums there's a lot of covers on there and then you have the yeah. third, and then there's the thing they did with uh, Laura Naira which is like yeah. that that's a supporting role and I always look at covers as like you you and I go back and forth that's because you like to send me a lot of covers and I'm just like hey, <laughs> yeah I do um, and I like it when it, they take it to some place where it's the the, yeah. the the heart, the the vibe of the song is there, but it's not the same version. I think they did a really good job, especially like "Won't Get Fooled Again," which is a hard song to kind of get off the path of. Um, but you know, it's you know that it's those when you don't play a cover to like if you break away from it, it's 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 not the easiest thing to get acceptance, of, especially if some people really like the original. Um, do you what do you think that? You know, do you think it was a, more of a thing of needing someone with the magic touch who kind of got them uh, that made him get through? Or what do you think, you know, or was the timing of the, like if they would have done the Nightbirds first and then would have done, you know, Pressure Cooking and the first album, you know, um, what do you think? I think, I think it was just a time, I think it was a timing thing. I think it was just, it was the right time. 1974 was the right time, the right producer allowing Nona to write more. I think it just took a whole, like, I think they were feeling themselves, like they really understood like what they needed to do. And they finally came into their own stylistically and as a group. And I think it was just timing. And I think that if you look at most bands, even the contemporary bands, it's, it's, oh, it's kind of always a timing thing. It's like, always like people mm -hmm. are ready for that, that sound at that time. Um, and uh, and it, it does help when you have a fucking monster hit, you know, like Lady Marmalade. That's just like a perfect song um, that's been redone, covered, re reappropriated, sampled, like everything. And it's like, you know, it helps when you have that. But then all that other stuff, it just like worked perfectly. It's like so, like I use this as an analogy, right? People always ask me, and it's so it's dumb, but I, I have to answer this question. They're like, "What's your favorite song?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like. 
I'm like, whatever I'm listening to right now. Yeah. That's my favorite song. Yeah. Like, I thought you're gonna, I, I thought you're like, gonna do that. One of those. It hasn't been written yet, or one of those little. No, no. What, 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 my Matthew McConaughey. I'm not, I'm not gonna like fucking give you some weird air quote. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it, it, it the, <laughs> my favorite song is right now is the right now and i think that was why they got i think they were perfect for the right now of that time right and that that's what happened you know and i think also yeah and how music was was distributed by it back then it's like yeah you it was such a narrow channel yeah you know there's no there wasn't mtv there was you know um you know radio it was radio yeah it was radio it was radio it was the sort of like the, the fact that LPs were like blowing up, you right. know, um, like full lengths and, you know, that their, their image, the touring, their reputation that kind of like, you know, got them signed to Epic um, and and all that, all that shit, it all happened for them together. And, and um, I mean, it's easy for people, like you said before, it's easy for people to get lost in like LaBelle's, uh, I mean, sorry, P- Patty's uh, success after because she was she became such a massive like grammy award-winning top 10 top you know top 10 hit uh, mm. machine uh for years but they were like a special band uh they sort of had a little bit of they had a lot of funk a lot of soul some glam some rock they had a lot of things going on and it's special it was special and i think people really gravitated toward towards it at the time and it was sort of like like I, when I mentioned pre-disco, like there was this little under, like sort of like undercurrent happening at that at that time that like was kind of informing what would be the big music two years on, you know, right. after. So uh, I think they were they benefited from that as well. So you know, it, I don't know. It's it was such a great time, man, in music. The seventies, it was just early, especially the early like first half of the seventies before the Hangover. It was just so creative and there was so much stuff and you know what i mean and people were just cut loose and people that might have been wearing suits and had processes were now growing their hair out and had like you know right you know bell bottoms on it just like things changed and you know and the crowd changed and fans changed and everything you know it's and they were perfect for it you know yeah and and you you could see too like after those after nightbirds uh chameleon and the other record that i can't remember they uh, they weren't able ever to ever capture that again, like it was just like sort of lightning in a bottle. It was like yeah. boom, they did it, and then the two subsequent records were good. I think are good, no. are really good. But but I but love I just, Chameleon, man. Yeah, Chameleon's a great record, but like, but you know, it's like it's like a lot of things. Like you know, like we talked about this before, like hip hop, for example, especially in like the like early '90s, like sort of the tail end of the or the kind of mid period of the golden golden era like i noticed like people would put out crazy first records like really good first records like uh diggable planets right. or they a soul yeah you know, they would put out these killer first records and then the second record would come around which was almost always good if not better than the first and nobody cared and i feel like that's sometimes typical of audiences like they're in they're into the shiny shiny nickel initially and then then once they have the shiny nickel they don't really you know 
they well, don't want another one. You know, it's well, they like, want, I don't know. Well, they want one that looks like the one that they have because they got they've really kind of put their thoughts and their thoughts and idea about the band around what that mm-hmm. what they define what that one was. Yeah. Right. And then and then the band's not allowed to progress, change, well, and, it's, and this, experiment. It becomes you know? it becomes like this is how I like the band to be rather than just appreciating the band and letting them be whoever they, their journey and just being. Okay, like even albums when they kind of step out of step, take a wildly different direction. You're just like, you know, I, I'm I gonna I'm gonna take some, you know it takes allow yourself to kind of take some time to kind of sit in it a little bit, you know, because it because yeah. you, you tie things together. Unfortunately, that's how the brain works sometimes. Like if you, you know, I think that's why, you know, sometimes, you know, Bob Dylan went zigged and zagged a lot, and he got you know. I mean, because he wrote. I mean, I, maybe that's a. This is a crappy example, but he he zig and zagged a lot in the different genres. But I think maybe because his songwriting and his singing are so iconic that they are, you know, singular that it kind of offset it, so it made it more palatable. But it's still it just, you know, he when he went from folk to electric that pissed off a lot of people. When he tried to do country and the Christian album that pissed off some people. And but if you look back at it, it's like it, the, his whole journey is just fascinating. And I think that like when bands do that, and LaBelle did do that, like they didn't, they could have rode the Lady Marmalade uh, train to, you know, you know, platinum records fall down, but it, that wasn't interesting to them. And that, and thankfully, it, you know, I don't think we would have had a song like my favorite song of theirs is a man in a trench coat. Which, oh, yeah. which actually doesn't feature, which features Nona Hendrix on lead vocals, but just that the complexity and the, 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 the that of that song and it's a it's just a it's just a, it's just a fascinating song, but it's also fascinating that it came from a band that just you know was doing disco and a lot more danceable stuff. Um, I, I I love Nona. She's so hard. Yeah. I love her voice. She's hard. She's hard and like. You know, that's why, you know, like, listen, don't get me wrong. I like Patty LaBelle, you know, I, I even you. like, so, I, but, but I don't like her as much as Nona. It's like, it's funny. No, you know, I, I think, and plus it's like, you know, the, the split of the band that really broke them up was like, Patty wanted to do more soul, Nona wanted to do more funk rock, and then like, Tara Dash wanted to do more disco. You know, right. and, and those two things, if combined, can make a really interesting record. But you know, if you know, inevitably there's going to be a point like, well, who are we? Why can't we? and you know, and it takes a lot of you know artistic artistic maturity to say like we could be all three of these things. We don't have to choose. And I don't, but you know, that's hard. That's easy for you know Saturday afternoon Sloan to say. You know. Yeah, I you know I, maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching here, but I think it's harder for women. Even to this day, to like kind of exert no that, doubt. that, no yeah, doubt. exert that kind of like artistic freedom and 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 direction that they that they want, and I, I feel like men are always like, especially at that time, mostly most uh, music executives were men, I'm sure, at that time, and they're like trying to tell them what to do, and it's kind of like, hey. well, you ain't trying to tell fucking Bob Dylan what to do. Well, it's you know you're not trying, you're not trying to tell uh, 100%. what's the guy from Montreal the the, the, the who died uh, a few years ago um God the poet I'm 
Oh, yeah. Leonard Cohen. You're not Leonard trying to Cohen. tell Leonard Cohen what to do. You're not trying to tell John Cale what to do. Yeah. But it's okay Kanye to tell them what, to do, what yeah. to do. I'm like, that. fuck that. And so I feel like, and that, and that, and that probably is how, like, did, you know, definitely influenced what happened to them. And also like probably influenced like Patty to turn into more of a pop star, you know, like to, to kind of pro- most likely just take direction from A&R guys who were telling, oh, use this song, use that song. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, kind of like, well, here's you know, the sad, the sad truth. That's a dude. That's a double ex- standard. Yeah, it's an excellent point because you rarely hear musical genius thrown around to women. I mean, I've you rarely I hear. I mean, I think the only person I've heard is maybe Joni Mitchell, and it was yeah, re- yeah, and yeah, it was yeah, really that, and that it was and that it, one's legit. That well, one's legit. It, it's not. Yeah, it's the thing is, it's like it's there's there's a lot of others who are who could be under, oh, yeah. the, under Nina that. Nina Simone. Nina Simone, exactly. Billy, Billy Holiday. Yeah, yeah. We can go on and on. Yeah, we yeah, can go yeah. on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. Laura, Laura Nero. Yeah. Who, by the way, LaBelle covered. Yeah. On a, I think on one of the earlier earlier records, they covered a couple of her songs. Well, they sang with her, so they did right, the, so take up their covers album. So, but like, yeah. like the thing is, is like you, I, I like. You don't hear that. You're right. There is a complete double standard. But there's, to the other point, is like there, you know, it, because there is that double standard. You're not feeding the ego in a healthy way, uh, which you know, again, you know, it was probably best that they. And I, I the art, the, I didn't read a lot of articles, but the articles I did read, it did say that they broke up because they felt like their French. It was going to fray their friendship, and it wasn't worth the staying yeah. in the band wasn't worth yeah. that. And that was a that was a that was a fantastically self-aware move because they, Nona kept writing for Patty for her single albums. They would yeah they got they had a reunion. Um, yeah, that's right. A couple, three or four a times. Couple. They had one in the '90s and another one in the 2000s. I think. Yeah, so yeah. They they were definitely close. Yeah. And sadly enough, like the. Sarah Dash saying with Patty Labelle, like it was like two days before, two, you know, right before she died. I remember seeing that Instagram. I was like, oh, that was that's killer that they she's got on stage with her. But yeah, you know, you're right. There is a double standard. But the thing about this band, and when you listen to the playlist, is just that there is uh, when they tackle covers. There's 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 some, there's a there is an interesting take on it with their own songs. Uh, does they don't play they're not they they're about as far away from a one note kind of sounding band that I would say um, mm-hmm. while still standing in this zone that is like this is their style not trying to impress you but things and I think that uh, what, the, having that deep appreciation especially of me looking at this band so narrowly is that you know just like what each person contributed to their sound and how much Nona Hendrix really kind of you know, drove that band in terms of songwriting and variety of songs, and uh, you know, they're inf- and plus they're, you know, and the output of that is self-evident because they are probably one of the more influential uh, '60s or '70s bands uh, today. And like they, lot they are still influencing a lot of of today's artists. Oh yeah, just and even just in sampling and and other things, it's. Yeah, it's it'll it'll continue to to grow that way, and you know, and you, and also like it's good for aspiring singers, uh, groups to like you know check out stuff like this, just because it's like oh well here's here's a reference that I could 
you know, use to help me, you know, create something different, you know, like, I, I don't know, I, I, I just feel like, I, although it's hard to replicate how they came to be, right? Like, I don't see new groups having to go the same route that they did, you know, like slogging it out, putting out singles on different labels and touring. And I don't, I don't see that happening to a lot of, you know, contemporary groups, but, um, you know, for them, it's like what made them, it, it well, like kind of like shaped them. And, and, and also, you know, I love the fact that they were distinct personalities. Well, that's, so, that's the thing that I was going to say is like, if you're going to take anything away from this band, it's like, you guys don't, you can be a, a band and have distinct personalities and, and use that to your advantage rather than looking, right. looking at it as a negative and make some really incredible music that, that doesn't have a lot of comparisons. And be and and embrace that, and where you know us the fans will benefit from your taking us to a new place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought we'd be a little rusty, but uh, seems like we're both pretty good nah. about, good about talking about shit. So um, you know, it's let us. Ride, it's like riding a bike. It is like riding a bike. And so, uh, <laughs> speaking of which, let us know. Get a start. Feel free to let us know what stuff you want us to. We have a long list, but we always like hearing uh, suggestions. We've gotten some really good emails encouraging us and making us actually want to get back into it. Because we're, to be honest, to be perfectly candid, we were going back and forth and like, do should we keep doing this? And we got some really nice emails, uh, unsolicited, of course, that told us that yeah, you guys should still do this and some nice feedback, which always helps. So. But let us know at autoreversepod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram or Facebook and uh, yeah, listen to the playlist and we'll check you out next time. All right, peace.
Yeah. <laughs>